Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Yishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from Judea to the world, and you're a part of it wherever you are. Shalom, and welcome to Maka Fleischer. Hello, hello, hello. So good to have you with us today, Maka. It's great to be on the show yet again. That's right, and 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 it's been, uh, you know, things keep going. Yeah. We still don't have a government in place, but I just want to say one thing about that uh, here in, in, our, in our beloved Holy Land in the state of Israel. Um, there's going to be a request for... Um, more time to finalize the government really? deals. Yeah. And that is just exactly what anybody who knows Netanyahu would have expected. I expected it from day one. That's what the way he does it. He likes to milk it to the very end, to the very last moment, and then announce the government. And the way we do it here in Israel, it's not like you get elected, you have a government. You basically have all these parties. They basically get elected. Um, and then... And then a coalition builds, and then you have to like hammer out all kinds of deals. There's like it's like a deal machine. The whole thing. It's like a deal. The right, whole because thing. ministers uh, are not like secretaries of state and secretaries of the treasury and stuff like that in the United States, where the president comes and is like, "Okay, you, 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 and you. You go here. You go here. You go here. Right. And you go here." No, that's not how it is in Israel. The coalition. Uh, the uh, the coalition is made up of the parties that that come that can agree to come together, and part of the agreements to come together are about who gets to sit in what ministry. Right, and not only that, they also change around what ministries have powers over. They're like, okay, we're going to move this issue into this ministry. Although it was in this ministry, now it's going to go under this right. ministry. So some of those, cha- I don't know how radical all those changes are. Some of them are they're, they're meaningful. not so radical they're and some of them are kind of radical. Basically, you're saying that this ministry now has, you know, the issue of like Jewish education is now right. moving under a different ministry and all kinds of stuff well, like that. Well, isn't that, that under the education ministry? Yeah, but they're moving it under a different ministry in order to give this minister more impact on this ministry. And then it, then it has a lot to do with money. So things are here. They're very things are very fluid, and the point is is that there's still time for this government to form. And also, um, for example, I'll give you an example of something that happened yesterday. Is that Itamar Ben Gvir from the Otsma Yudit Party was very upset at the chief of police who promised them that he wouldn't make new hires, mm-hmm. and he went ahead and made hires within the police within the police hierarchy. And uh, the incoming minister was like, I don't think I could work with you, given that you promised me one thing. And, 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 and I actually do it. Yeah. I was in I was in a, 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 an event. Was that was that, to, was that since we recorded the last show? Since we recorded the last show, I think I did uh, an event where I was the translator uh, for Itamar Ben-Gvir at the UAE's 51st Independence Day celebration in Tel Aviv. And there was pictures that came out all over the internet. I was standing uh, next to Itamar Benkvir and doing this. Right, helping the, them translate. Right, doing that work. Then I think, now I forgot the dates. Oh, previous to that, previous to that, on Thursday of last week after I recorded this show, uh, I got to tour Thomas Friedman. Right. That was Hebron. interesting. Yeah, that was very interesting. It was very interesting. Thomas Friedman. Well-known, uh, you know, uh, liberal slash progressive writer, the New York Times has made a career. First thing, he's made a great career. He's a, he's a very influential writer. He has many books, uh, influential books, and his columns are influential. And I remember myself, and I told them, I said, I remember reading your columns on the subways of New York City. Wow, you know, I I read your stuff. I always read your Israel stuff. I didn't always agree. I almost never agreed. 
but uh, but I remember reading it for sure. Uh, but he, we had a great time, and I must say that that whatever you think of Thomas Friedman, <clears throat> in terms of interpersonal, he is a gentleman and a very pleasant person to be around. That's nice. But at the same time, you know, I showed him Jewish Hebron and our story, and uh, I said to him a few things that really, really, seemingly, seemingly impacted him. Of course, I can hear I can hear uh, listeners making the voice like, "Yeah, we'll see what he writes about right. you," which is absolutely right. But what I got out of him was a i i got him on a few like mental points that he was like huh one of them was that he said um i said to him at some point i'm like tom you know this is a good chance for me to tell you something i i read your article uh that was so impactful called the israel we knew is gone which is about like that israel's becoming this like right-wing you know religious state and where's the liberal israel and i said to him i think you mistitled that because the correct title would have been the israel we knew is back and he's like "Ooh, i'm like yes israel was a badass fighting state made sure that protected its people since the 90s went very liberal and basically has weakened our position and now we're coming back to what we are which is more ethnic more tribal more defensive of our peoplehood more making sure that the bad guys don't get our kids right and he's like, he's like, he's like, that's a, I like that because I like that is a good point. Um, and the other thing that I got out of him was a great picture of me and him smiling next to the tomb of the of the forefather Abraham. And I thought that was worth everything. You know why? Because first thing it showed that he was a Jew, right? And that he is, and that his sister is a Chabad Rebetzin wow. in Florida, and and that the Jew in him came out in that picture. And the other thing was that it turns out that whatever amount of flack I got from the so-called right for bringing uh, Tom Friedman to Hebron, the left went bananas on him. Right. It was like, nothing compared to the right. heat that he faced for right. meeting with you. Right. <laughs> which is sad. Which is pathetic. Which is yeah. pathetic. And I wrote to somebody, oh, 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 I think the grandson of Bernie Sanders, his name Ben Sion Sanders, he lives here in Israel. He's this young guy and he's on the Israeli political left. Oh, uh, and he tweeted at me being, he, t- he tweeted at him. He's like, how could you meet with <laughs> this apartheidist, colonialist settler dude? And I just, I wrote back, I wrote, it's called reporting. Yeah, seriously. It, like, like it's called reporting. They don't allow that though. If right. you speak to the wrong people, your, your social score right. goes way down. Right. Because they're all about cancel culture. Right. That's what they're about. They're about canceling. And he's like, how could you? And I'm like, I think that reporters want to meet with the newsmakers like whatever you think of me like what do you mean why could you why did he meet with me like at the end the the, I'm so- the kind of person that reporters are going to meet with right like what do you <laughs> like is, since when did that become like an innovation and who was telling me this one of my i have a, a lot of smart friends that i talk with on a regular basis so i forget which smart friend said the smart thing but somebody said to me i think i know who, i think it may have been jake but the liberals have become progressives or maybe it was Yehuda Cohen at his house. Oh no, it was maybe Mike Foyer. That was what it was. It was Mike Foyer. We, I was talking with Mike. We went yeah. to we our, our good friend Yehuda Cohen. His mother passed away. Allah right. Shalom. And uh, we went to his uh, to his uh, shiva, to his morning house. And uh, I I drove of Mike Foyer. That was a great pleasure. And that's what he said to me. He said to me, you know, a lot of the liberals became progressives, meaning to say instead of being liberal in the sense of that we want to hear right. everybody. It's like a, an agenda. Uh, 
to, of the left. Right, which is and, and which is not willing to hear. It's that liberalism is like, let's hear all opinions, let's discuss it. And it's like, no, it's not liberal anymore. It's progressive. It's like, let's not hear these people. Right. We do not want to hear from them. So that was that. So... So I got to be with Itamar Ben-Kvir at, uh, at the UAE. UAE. I got to be with uh, Tom Friedman. Oh, that was the same day. That's what it was. Wow. Morning was Thomas That's Friedman. Big day. Morning was Thomas Friedman. Evening was um, was uh, at the UAE event Emirati in Emirati uh, ambassador. And, right. And you should have seen those handshakes between the Emiratis and, and Itamar Ben-Kvir. It was like, my brother, <laughs> we must fight the terrorists together. It was a little bit like... Did you ever see that movie, uh, Body of Lies? No. It's a good movie, but it's it's an intense movie. With, what's it uh, about? DiCaprio. Uh, who's a good actor? Uh, it, it, what's it about? It's about the Middle East. It's about it's about inte- American intelligence in the Middle East. Ooh. Oh, it's pretty intense. You should see it. You would like yeah, it. Okay. Yeah, okay. You'd like it. It's a pretty intense film. Kind of done in a in a real, like, it shows the ugliness of it all. Ugh. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good, though. You'll like it. But anyway, uh, yeah, so it was a little bit like, it was a little bit like, like in that movie. In any case, there was that that, that kind of meeting. Uh, and then I also got to hang out with the one and only Dersh. The Dersh. The Dersh. The Dershowitz. This dude has been defending Israel forever. Yeah. He has written 51 books. That's a lot. He's 84 years old. He told me last year I celebrated my second bar mitzvah, i.e. 83. He told me, and I laned, I laned which means that he read the Torah, for partial, I don't remember if he said Shoftim or Mishpatim. It was one of those two, because uh, we have a uh, Torah portions on both those names. But he, but he said uh, I learned that in shul. Good for and him. Yeah, yeah, my God. And he's writing an opera now. And, and I, well, and yeah. What else has he got to write? This guy's. This guy's. A, he's he, got a good friend. It's, it's a different level uh, brain. It's like a different right. level person. It's just a different. It's just like he's a legend. He's a legend. And you could agree or not agree. And he defended OJ. And he defended the two state solution. And he also defended Rav Kahana. In many cases, and he also and he also fought for Rav Kahana's right to speak in different places, and he was against the idea of him getting kicked out of the Israeli Knesset, and he fought Aaron Barak when he they co-taught wow. a class in in Harvard. What I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's Mashu, it's Mashu, really, Ramit, and I, you know, and I get and I get these like I get like people being like, what, you know, why'd you, you know, why'd you meet with 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 Tom? Uh, Friedman, Thomas Friedman, Dershowitz was for the for, for the two state solution. I know, I know that he was for the two state solution. I know that, but I also can a lot see of people past have him. evolved also over time. Definitely, definitely. You know, it's I. I sometimes I think to myself: on the one hand, we have to be all accountable, and we have to hold others accountable to the things that they did in the past and to the things they said in the past, and you can't just let people off the hook. Right. On the other hand. I really bristle at this like freeze framing of life that happens all the time now where it's like you do one thing and that thing happened either yesterday or 75 years ago and it doesn't really matter when it happened, but you like did this wrong thing and therefore you are like puzzle. You need to be deactivated. Right. You're like no longer trustworthy. Right. You're, you're, you're trafe. You're, I can't think of any English words right now. Yeah. But it's like you, you become like a non- you're not worthy. valuable yeah, yeah, yeah an right. unworthy person right you're, you're, you're so person. right about that Monica. and uh and, and so it, like even so with a person like alan dershowitz for example who i don't know if you got to speak to him about his current views on the arab-israeli conflict but my you know guess believes, is that some that people we have a right have moved, to fight for our security 100 right. that's what he says that over and over again is that israel should never give up one inch of its security 
Okay, how to, how to do that? Maybe we have disagreements, but he believes one hundred percent in our right. right to be fully secure and, and other things. Right. And I just want to I want to go back also and just uh, finish up that thought, which is, which is that don't let people tell you that you have to be that you are beholden to the thing that you said in the past. Right. You can go. I changed my mind. Once upon a time, this was considered a very high value and a mark of a of an exceptional person. A person who can think about something and go and he, uh, you know, on Monday he was doing X and thinking X and by Friday he'd already fixed it and was doing Y and was was doing, you know, believed in Y. And it's good to change and it's okay to change. That's right. As long as you're headed in the right direction. Uh, Speaking of of, uh, judgment. Yeah. uh, The good folks not at Al Jazeera Uh. are uh, suing Israel. In the ICJ, they're announcing that they're suing the Israel in the International Criminal, in the International Court of Justice at the Hague. Mm-hmm. I happen to have visited the Hague. I was and? there. Uh, it's called Den Haag. It's a town in in uh, in the Netherlands. Yes, and it's on the North Sea. And when you see the North Sea, you're like, how did these people ever become a seafaring nation? Because it is the roughest, meanest sea you've ever seen. It's like whoosh. It's like you're like I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to put my toe into that water, let alone sail right, out there. Right, get on a piece of wood and go yeah, out there. Exactly, uh, but uh, but uh, but I've been there. And um, what was I going to say to you? So so Al Jazeera now wants to sue Israel for the death of Shireen Abu Akleh. and Shireen she don't like it. Okay, <laughs> and she basically was was and here I was talking with my friend Jake this morning, and she was embedded with terrorists. Yes. With jihadists, neo-Nazi, anti-Israel terrorists, mm-hmm. and there was, she was literally with a group of terrorists that had were armed and wanted to kill Jewish soldiers, and was there exactly a firefight at that moment? But back and forth, there was some shooting, and nobody targeted her, but she got hit by flying bullets. Well, but their accusation, Nisha, is yeah. that we actually. Targeted. Intentionally targeted right. her. Right. But there is no, there is absolutely zero proof for that. But even if, not even if there was, there is zero proof I for that. I just think this whole thing is silly. Exactly. Exactly. The bottom line is very simple. You were standing close to terrorists in a firefight between terrorists and the army. Bullets fly. You they were wearing not... a vest and a helmet. Right. Why? Because if killing bullets flying here, okay? Don't go there. No, 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 no. And so the IDF shot, and this, 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 this lady who, how should we say, was a terror supporter, a terror, a terror backer. She could have been. She could have been. She could have been an angel. She could have been Mother Teresa. Okay. okay? <laughs> That's, That's not right. what we're talking about. No, but it, no, but it is important. No, 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 no. It's not exactly what we're talking about. But it is important to say not that she was targeted because she was a terror supporter, but she was in the business of besmirching Israel's names. That's why she was hanging out with the jihadi daddies and trying to get the story. And guess what? And guess what? She's now, they're using her body as exactly what they do the rest of the time, the Al Jazeera's, which is to besmirch Israel's name. So she's doing in her death what she did in life anyway, which is to try to get the story to besmirch Israel's name. So when Israel defends itself, they're like, look at the kid that was killed because of the Israeli army, right? And that's what they're doing with her. And Israel, instead of responding with clarity, which is to say, 
Case closed. We have nothing to say about this. I mean, this. they do they, pretty much do that. They at the end they finally did, but at the beginning they, you know, they did a lot of hand wringing and this and that, and we'll see and we'll study. Bottom line is there's no there's nothing I if I I would go Putin on this in the sense that I would just be like I would just be like stone faced and just be like when you associate with terror, it's dangerous. The Israeli army will do everything to defend our country. Case closed. That's it. Just like talk very like cut and short. There's nothing to talk about here. There's nothing to talk about here. This was a group of terrorists. We were fighting with them, shot at them. This lady was there. It's over. Well, speaking of it being over, Isha, I, I really feel like I like I appreciate that you brought up this this story and etc. But like I cannot get interested in it. All right. It is not something that I think even like the whole like International Court of Justice. I'm just like, OK, what's going to happen? Like the Palestinian Authority is going to show up. They're going to bring a lot of charts and a lot of like made up stuff. And they're going to argue a case. Israel's just going to be like, we're not taking part in this case. They're not going to sh- like it's just a show. It's just a song and dance. Yes. Yes. You're, you're right about everything, Malka. But. I must tell you two things. One, this is a very old method against the Jews. It's a blood libel. It's a blood libel. Old and renewed. The Jews killed this innocent. So-and-so. So-and-so. Exactly. Well, I want to say, though. Wait. And yeah. the other thing I want to tell you is, and the other thing I want to tell you is, while it may not matter to you, and you think of it rightfully so as dumb and, and ridiculous, uh, there are young people in this world yeah. who read the regular newspaper, like the New York Times, which is a serious, quote unquote, news outlet. Right, reputable, reputable. Reputable. Yes. Thank you. And they will believe this stuff. Right. The blood libel spreads. It's spread. People believe it. People want to believe it. Mm. And if you're, let's say, a Kanye, Kanye West... And you want to believe that kind of stuff and you think that Hitler had some good sides to him and that we have a lot to learn from the Nazis. And you're like, and that the Jews are, you know, so it all fits right in with, you know, the old blood libel feelings. And so these things, they have an impact. I agree with you. From our point of view, it's all bogus, right? But from, but from, uh, but from somebody, from an innocent mind, it could very well be real. That's what I want to say. Well, I'll tell you about what is real. Yeah. Okay. Israel. Israel. <laughs> no, that I actually wasn't even planning Mocha. that. That was Israel good, lives. Yes, Israel lives. Yeah. Um, a U.S. insurance comparison website called the Swiftest did a little study of the safest places to travel in the world. Of uh, they ranked all the countries. Okay. Where do you think Israel fell in on this list? Out of how many? Oh, that's a good question. I don't have many. Well, I see they go up to uh, 50 countries. Out of 50 countries? Mm-hmm. I don't know, right in the middle, 25. Okay. Um, they, are these they normative had, countries or are these p- problematic countries? I think normative countries where people go. Okay. Not where like, people travel. Like the United States and Australia like, are, the, are on the list. Okay, not like the Congo. No, no, and, no. And, and, I don't think so. No, 50 yeah. countries that people go to. Right. And I don't mean to speak bad about the Congo. Although just, it is known as a not so very safely place. Whatever. These, you know, these places are, are, are less, uh, less okay. civilized, shall we say. So, so speaking of safety, because some people think to now, themselves. I don't know the answer to this. I didn't know. This is you the don't first know. time I'm yeah. hearing about this. So yeah. I'm, I'm guessing somewhere. Like 25. Something like that. Yeah. Not, not, like, not like super dangerous, but not so perfectly undangerous either. Mm. 
So they they did a study and they compared these places based on various things like homicides and all kinds of crimes that happen against tourists. Okay. Well, then if you put on those categories, I would bring us up a little bit. I don't think there's a little there's probably theft from tourists from time to time. Whatever. I'm I'm let, Where are you holding now? Out of 50? Mhm. 20. Okay, we moved up five. Yeah, but that's it. Let's see. Okay, here we go. Here we go. This is this is fun and then again, not so fun. Okay. <laughs> Some people think of Israel as a Shireen Abu Akla dangerous right. war zone where you got to wear a helmet and a vest and it's just a, yeah. a place that, you know, you should definitely be saying psalms in the corner when your family member tells you that they're going and you know go you know do all the lucky things you know how many people how many israelis tell friends of mine that are here in the country like don't go to hebron don't go to gushetzion right now it's dangerous the people people love the outside but within the country from israel from israel they're like like rishon and Zion. it's safe here don't go to hebron no 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 no. you don't want to go there that's a shame yeah Okay. Okay, come on. Reveal it. Israel is the fifth safest country in the world. Really? To travel to. According to this study, the only countries that did better yeah. were Switzerland, the Netherlands, Denmark, and Singapore. I was going to say Holland. I was going to say Holland. Yeah. The least safe country on this list yeah. was South Africa, followed uh, by India. Yeah. Your 20th ranking yeah. was the United States of America. Uh-huh. <laughs> Interesting. That's, I mean, I, I have to see their methodology to understand that. Wait, where's like Mexico and stuff? Uh, it doesn't... I don't have that here. Okay. They There are all kinds of, um, of criteria that they used. Um, death or injury as a result of terror falls under homicide. Right. Or, okay. Right. So, so that's the, the homicide uh, rate. Um, poor hygienic condi- conditions is one of the things. Murders, we said. Road accident incidents. Mm. Um, violence, car accidents. Yeah. Interesting. So it turns out that so that Israel, basically Israel the is, the is, is fifteen slots above the United States in terms above of the United safety States. for tourism. Yeah. Okay. According to the study, right? According to the study, um, and basically the moral of the story. For the the writers of this article, this I took this article from the J Post. the the um, The moral of the story for these people was: we live inside, right? And you're always like reading every story, right? Right. But in actuality, like a visitor is not very likely to encounter like to get into a bar fight, right? Or to um, get poisoned, <laughs> or to um, you know be in a horrible car accident, right? And die, God right, forbid. Right, I understand what you're saying. Um, and that's that's that study. Okay, but you know where is a dangerous place? Yeah, I got a different article for you here. Yeah, a different study by yeah. by an organization called Amcha Initiative. Right, I know them. They're, they're they cam- did a study. They're the campus folks. Right, they did a study of college campuses. Right. See, I knew it. Yep. Okay. To find out which university is the greatest threat to jewish identity they put out i i didn't really go through the study very much but i perused it just uh, very topically they did they had a 39 page report that came out and they ranked universities okay 
which university is the most threat to Jewish identity in the United States? Berkeley. No. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if they studied every single university. Right, I, I don't also know. don't Do know what the these, parameters like, are. Little, little tiny liberal. No, 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 like no, 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 no. We're talking all the 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 organ the campuses I'm looking at are big recognized campuses. Okay. 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 So it wasn't Berkeley? Not a, no. Okay. I would have thought it was Berkeley. I would have thought uh, so too. Um, Maybe no one is feeling a oh, threat to their Jewish it, identity it, there because if you're already showing up there, <laughs> right. you're you're pretty cool. Is it like if, Detroit, like a place where there's like a lot of Arabs, that kind of nope. area? Gosh, Maka, you're, you're you're stumping me today. You're the stumping number me. one <laughs> most threatening campus for Jewish identity in the United States, according to this new Amcha initiative study, which you of course can read for yourself and find out uh, the specifics. Is Harvard. Oh! Harvard University. It's Harvard, yo! And, like, that's by far. Oh, my God. The next university is the University of Chicago, uh-huh. followed by Tufts, mm-hmm. Rutgers, and UCLA. Rutgers? Rutgers is a New Jersey school. I think it might also have to do with incidents that have been reported. Wait, what, it's also a humongous school, Rutgers. What was the last one, the fifth one? Uh, I'm going back. Hang on. I'm just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. The last one. UCLA. UCLA. UCLA, I can understand. Rutgers is surprising to me. Rutgers, it must be, I don't know what it is. It must be, I'm, I'm thinking could be that the, uh, uh, there's, a, there's a, you know, a large Arab population in New Jersey. Um, but gosh, Harvard. What, what happened at Harvard there? Well, it has to do with numbers of reported uh, incidents against Jews. Uh-huh. Um, they... Divided threats to Jewish identity into three categories. Okay. Redefinition, denigration, and suppression. Okay. Redefinition includes expressions dissociating Zionism from Judaism or Uh progressive values or denying anti-Zionism as anti-Semitism. Denigration includes expressions uh, using classic anti-Semitic tropes to vilify Jewish or Zionist identity. Wait, wait, wait. But but that first category sounds to me like a pretty intellectual pursuit, so then I can understand why that would be at Harvard, meaning to say it sounds like people challenging certain assumptions that we think are important, but do you, would you... I mean, that may come from an anti-Semitic group, but does that mean that you feel uncomfortable on campus because somebody denies... Uh, I don't know, if somebody denies that Jewish people have a right to a Jewish state, let's say. Uh, is that is that a kind of... Uh... So, I don't know. That's mm-hmm. the truth. I don't know the answer to that. It does say here that um, faculty contributed significantly to a, uh, what they're calling attacks on Jewish identity uh-huh. with schools with five or more faculty members who supported an academic boycott of Israel uh-huh. being nearly four times more likely to have an assault on Jewish identity. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, assault on Jewish identity is is definitely, 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 definitely unpleasant and definitely is the underpinnings of a lot of anti-Semitism. But at the same time, you know, that's like... It's not the same as getting punched in the face. Right, or being called, a, a getting a swastika on your door or something like that. Right, so but, so you could ask yourself, where, where do these feelings of threat come from? Does it come from a place of where students are feeling intimidated by the opinions of their professors or not free to express their counter opinion 
do, do, do they feel like their grade might suffer if right. they? That's true. That's right. Um, if they express say something pro Israel, or, pro or they opinions. won't be able to advance themselves, get into certain practicums or I whatever wish, it is. I wish I would have seen this mm-hmm. article when I met Dershowitz this week. I would have asked him about. Did this. you get his phone number? I has, certainly do. So you can ask him about it. I will. I will. So I'll oh, send you the link. Idea. I would like that. And 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 I and I must say to you that what 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 you're telling me right now means to me is that the intellectual class of the United States, which is one of its focal, one of its most focal of focal points is Harvard, is... Yeah, but you know, it's not like it's like Harvard, Stanford, Princeton, Yale. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like Harvard is there, and then like all those other universities are very, right. very uh, highly regarded universities, but they're not uh, Ivy League schools. Well, some of them are. Which ones? I think. Uh, which one did you say? Harvard and, and what else? Uh, let me go back to that article. Whatever. These are important schools. Yeah. I, I don't want. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, University of Chicago. I think might be. I don't know if it's University called of an Chicago, I, Tufts, Rutgers, UCLA. Right. I don't but know. Those are very. Those are very top schools. Right. Absolutely. Um, but you know who? So they might not like us at Harvard. Yeah. But you know where they kind of a little bit like us right now, and we you know this. Yeshiva University. And we all know this. Yeah, th- I think they kind of like us. But you know where they a little bit like us and where, in my opinion, is one of the more exciting um, avenues, horizons. Uh, horizons maybe is a, is a good word or yeah. playing fields yeah. that Israel's going to be entering. This is like for the next 10 years for sure. Okay. And that's Saudi Arabia. Maka, you are full of in in, in I know. I'm 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 very like yeah, there's a lot of I was like, like what does she mean? What does she mean? <laughs> I don't know. Trying to keep it dramatic. Yeah, you're keeping keeping one of my toes here. <laughs> yeah. So um, Are they opening up a university? So there was a talk. This Ab- was reported by I twenty four. The Abraham University? That would That would be cool. Be right? Really cool. Right. We should have Abrahamic studies. We should have the whole, we, we should Wait, go crazy. Wait, but I love that idea for a yeah. second. Yeah, Abraham University. Like a faith, like a faith-based university, but that is broad enough to be a faith-based university for all like monotheistic people. Mm. <gasps> whoa, 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 whoa. Well, they have, you did show me a picture of one of our a friend Twitterers from the UAE yeah. who showed us the... Um, the new complex of the spiritual right, the complex. complex prayer complex of the Abra- it's called the abrahamic uh, complex or something, something. Abrahamic and Center. it's basically a church a mosque and a synagogue right all beautiful all respectful right and they, there's like a triad and they're right there I mean, it's so all cool. together that is really cool i i have to say and as a jewish person who really firmly believes as a jew as a jew as a jewish person <laughs> who firmly believes in the religion that i am in yeah and does not subscribe to the other religions that we just mentioned right i still think that that is just an amazing yeah. way forward well maybe it's to think which is to think about the fact that we are all like that this is the best of globalization the, the, which her- is the like heritage to of think Abraham. forward that there are we are a planet full of people who can all get t- together around some basic ideas um that bring us together and that are true I would love to. I would love Hebron, and I'm drinking from my 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 Marat Machpelah mug right now here. Yeah, I would love Hebron to be a center for that kind of stuff, but uh, it's not there yet. But I just wanted to say this is a nice uh, I24 news story that um, that Saudi Minister of State for Foreign Affairs Abdel Al Jubair recently spoke to senior American leaders 
And he basically guaranteed them that Israeli-Saudi normalization is is like Baparek. Yeah, Netanyahu that is always, something that will happen. Netanyahu but it will signal be, the same thing on MSNBC. Is like he's like I've brought four four historic peace deals, and there's more on the way. I can guarantee you that. And he like the, the, so here the I want to tell you that that it says here. I just want to read to you two paragraphs. Are we going to vacation in Saudi Arabia? That's my dream. Are we going to vacation in Saudi my Arabia? My dream, my real dream is my Epcot, okay? My real dream is to go to the Ministry of the Hajj yes. in Saudi Arabia and to see how that thing works. I want like a tour. Like, you know how they give you like the light CIA tour, or the FBI tour? Sure. You can go to the building. They're like, over here, over here. But you don't like get to I, I was the secrets. I was on a CIA tour. Uh, when I when I worked at APAC for a summer, when I interned at APAC yeah. for a summer, they took us to the CIA for the tour. And the funniest thing, I'll never forget it. I, I did forget until you mentioned it now. There was there was posters yeah. on the walls with a little cute kitten coming out of the ba- uh, out of a out of a card cardboard bag. Uh, uh, what do you call it? No, a bag. What do you call these? Paper things? bag. A paper bag. And it said, "Don't let the cat out of the bag." Yeah, I'm telling you, it was there. I'm not, I'm not That's joking. Funny. And then I bought a mug, which I had for years. I was so proud of my CIA mug. And the funniest thing was that at the bottom there was a little sticker that said, Made in China. And I was That's like, really funny. And then it broke one day. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. We if can you get have, you another one. Yeah, CIA mug if you ever we want to. We should take that tour. We should go to Washington and take that tour with the kids. Uh, yeah, I think that would be cool. That would be cool. But anyway, my dream is to go to the Ministry of the Hajj yeah. and take the Ministry of the Hajj tour and find out how they receive Minister these to millions the upon millions upon millions right. of people every year into Mecca. I find that to be so interesting. But anyway, just to just to finish up on the Saudi article, uh, let's just read two paragraphs. Uh, in a meeting with U.S. officials visiting Riyadh, courtesy of the Washington Institute, Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman listed three main demands, a.k.a. MBS, yeah, m- that must be met for Saudi Arabia to join the Abraham Accords and normalize ties with Israel. Okay. Do you want to guess what they are? Should we keep going? <laughs> or do you not really want to? Yes, I want to. Okay. Whoa. Three things that would normalize ties between Israel? Yeah, I-, I doubt you'll guess them. Oh, my God. I don't know. It's something to do with Iran? Pat- patrol on the Iranian... Uh... Make sure that Iran doesn't uh, tax Saudi Arabia and and protect. Uh... I mean, not that, not per se. No. <laughs> oh, oh, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Is it is it is there a military alliance in there or not? Of there any is kind? military stuff, like U.S. guarantees of sales or something like that, or or. Uh... I mean, you're. I'm impressed actually that you're like that. You're in the right direction. You're headed in the right direction. Okay, I'll I'll. Uh... Give Do you me, want to keep going? Wait, that's one. Okay, one. One is some kind of military alliance in defense of Saudi Arabia. Um, is there any Temple Mount stuff in there? Or no, no, no Palestinian Temple Mount stuff. I hope not. I would have heard about it probably by now. Oh God, this is so exciting, Maka. <laughs> <laughs> you make this show is out. This is out of control today. Okay, Maka, go ahead. Tell okay, us, tell, tell you did us. really well. Like no, your instincts were very good. Okay. All the re- all the demands hinged entirely on the United States. Aha, aha, aha. Here's what they were: a U.S. Saudi alliance, defense alliance. Yeah, okay. Proper weapons supplies to the kingdom, as if it were a NATO country. Mm-hmm. And allowing Riyadh to have a restricted civil nuclear program. So, that means that their demands had nothing to do with the Palestinians 
It had nothing to do with Jerusalem. Uh-huh. It had nothing to do with Judea. Right. All that stuff, throw it in the trash. Right. That has nothing to do with how the Saudis look at Israel. Yeah, but let me tell you, actually, 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 you, there's code in there. Okay. The code is, we want a nuclear program, i.e., we want Israelis on our soil to help us build a nuclear program. Yes. B, we want weapons, i.e., we want Israel Israeli to supply weapons, us we- yes. weapons. And what was the first? And a U.S.-Saudi alliance. Right. We want and we in. Want, and we, we want in on and, the friendship. And we want Israel to 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 fly around here and have their submarines off our coast and in the Gulf to make sure that the bad, bad, bad Iranians don't get out of control. Right. As as is, as is, you know the Saudis are are were great fighters and are great at the sword dance. Yes. But today they they need to uh, they need to. Um, What's it called? To uh, they're ready outsource. to progress forward, right? Also. And they need to they're outsource ready, their yeah. defense, and they're definitely willing to progress forward with Israel. And that means that you will get your vacation oh, in Saudi Arabia. I'm so excited! That's right. This is something that ten years ago we just could not talk about. And I have to say that, like right now, um, former U.S. President Donald Trump is like not looking so hot because he just had this meeting with with Kanye Insano in the Membrano West. And this other weird anti-Semite guy, Nick Fuentes or something. I don't know who he is. Not as cool guy as Kanye or whatever. But like, and so Trump is just like not looking so great. And I know that he is up for the nomination for the Republicans in 2024. And I don't even know if he's going to get it because he's that's how not great he's looking. But you guys, like you can never forget this abraham accords you can never forget that under his presidency this thing happened it is so big right it is so big and it's going to affect our lives for for generations and generations in in general i think that you're right not just about the abraham accords but i think that trump whatever you think of him the media wants to make him into mincemeat but historically speaking this guy he changed history. He changed history. And he, he really should have, I'll reiterate for the like hundredth time, he should have won a Nobel Peace Prize for this. No, no, no. Abraham Accords. No, no Nobel Prize for that. Nobel Prize for, 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 for Obama for becoming president. Yeah, anyway, for making a tour of Arab right, countries. There you go. Uh, Maka, let's go on. First thing, Maka, thank you that's for making- That's all my stories. That's, oh, no, that's actually not all my stories. There is one more news story. It's hold not on, Israel related, though. Hold on. Can it, can, it, can it wait for a second? Yes, it can. Okay, first thing I want to read uh, an email from Genevieve. She says, hello, Yishai and Maka. Greetings from the diaspora region of Albuquerque, New Mexico. Hello. I, my daughters and I have, been, have had the blessing of coming with Hayovel, the Christian Christian folks that uh, come right, and, do, and uh, uh, volunteer, volunteer on work. the hilltops right. of picking the grapes. We came to do some work in Hebron for a day at Hebron's well. It was so memorable and eternally transforming for us, and this very special uh, uh, and this very special field of Hebron at this very special place. I appreciate listening to your discussion with Malka on current events from a biblical perspective each week on your podcast. I also learned so much from the various guests and pioneers with whom you interview. These topics and conversations give me hope and help me join you all with <laughs> prayers for redemption at the appointed time. Amen. Amen. This last week, you were sharing about Jacob's ladder and challenged us to do some kind of ladder experience. So my daughters and I ascended the ladder by praying for Israel for rain and for protection during the season. We, we got did, rain. We didn't take a picture, 
but that was the time we spent being invested for God's purposes to be fulfilled for all of Israel. That's so nice. Thanks for encouraging us, and we pray you are encouraged in your advocacy, love, and service of to Israel and all who love her and the God of Israel. Shalom and blessings, Amen, that's Genevieve. so beautiful. What an email. Yeah, amazing. Oh my God, my whole God day. God bless you. You have just helped me ascend the ladder for the rest of this we're day. Sending, we're, sending, uh, we're sending prayers down the ladder for you. That's right. That's that's a beautiful thought, Malka, which is like we send we send prayers up and down. You're sending from the land of Israel down a blessing. Right, it's like the, you know how in the bank there used to be that tube, and then you would stick yeah, the, they would stick yeah, the money the, in the tube and would, yeah, yeah. But I think I think I think actually I really like what you just said, Malka, because I was going to say something similar, but I like how you said it. Like people send their blessings to Israel. That's the angels going up, and then and then the blessings from the land of Israel go out to the world. That's the angels going down. Because there's a question, what is this angels going up and going down thing? Um, and I have a new thought for you. I've been thinking all week about the ladder. All wow. week. I have not stopped thinking about the ladder, uh, uh, Jacob's ladder. I've been wow. thinking about it every spare moment. I'm like, what is this about? And one of the thoughts I came up with, a new thought that I came up with this week, okay, is that we have two central prayers every single day, which is Kriyat Shema, the Shema prayer, the the here uh, God... Uh, 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 hero Israel, God is, uh, our, Lord, Hashem is our God, our God yeah. and Hashem is one. Yes. And then the rest of the prayers about loving God and serving Him. And then we have the 18 benedictions prayer, which is a silent meditation where we ask God for a lot of things. So I thought to myself, what the angels going up and down means, the angels going up, the angels going down is the Shema prayer. Because God is sending a signal to us. If you read the Shema, it's about what God demands of us. Mm. He demands of us obedience and love and service and not to stray. And that's the Shema prayer. So I'm giving you, coming down from God is the Shema prayer. It's the polarity of it is towards you, from heaven to you. While Shemona Esra, the polarity is the other way, which is it's from us to God. Hmm. We're like broadcasting to God. This is how we serve you and this is what we need and this is how we, you know, and this is what we ask of you to do in this world. So basically, in simple terms, Shema is what God asks of us, and Shema Nesra is what we ask of God. And those are two different polarities. So one angel is coming down to you, and one angel, is, one set of angels is going up, up. And these polarities, and you have to know how to shift the polarity in, in prayer. You have to know how to receive. I'm right now listening, and right now I'm beseeching. Those are two different emotions, two different polarities of, of, of prayer. Uh, so that's my thought about the, the dream of the ladder. What do you think about that, Mark? I like it. So thank you very much, Genevieve. Thank you very much for writing to Isha at IshaFleischer.com. Um, and all of this energy, Malka, and your little quizzes <laughs> have made me hungry. Okay. And that's why this week, and maybe for a few more weeks, the folks at Prohibition Pickle uh, have a limited edition shtetl reserve. Please help me pronounce this word, Malka. Cornichon? <laughs> Cornition? Cornichon? What? <laughs> I don't... Cornichon. Cornichon. Full sours will be replaced. What does that mean? Full sours... Those are pickles. Yeah. They will be replacing our classic full sour pickles. Crunch your face off. Guaranteed. Our soup stew specials this week in Moroccan lamb tagine inspired. It might blow your Ashkenazi mind. Okay? (laughs) So, uh, what else? Um... Um, other other great stuff. We've been fine-tuning our party menu in an effort to make it more approachable. Wings are now available in one kilo increments. And Frank's in a blanket, too, have been scaled back in portions and price. So 
I think Maka that you and I should definitely get some. I think some. I think some chicken wings for the kids. Let's, oh yeah, let's they just might do a little. Like yeah. Let's do a little chicken wings night or something like that. Uh, and it's all found at prohibitionpickle.co.il. Uh, which is a great website, and you can order for anybody here in Israel, almost anywhere in the country, and even your your, your favorite show hosts do love uh, a great uh, Prohibition Pickle snack <laughs> meal for Shabbos. It makes Shabbos awesome. It makes it high, and you could you could just, uh, you know, and it might blow your, your Ashkenazi mind or your Sephardic or whatever you are, and <laughs> but your Gentile, whatever it is, uh, it'll, it'll get you uh, more Jewishly connected if you're part of the Prohibition Pickle program. So that's prohibitionpickle.co.il. And then I also want to talk about uh, my good friends uh, at Retro Watch Guy. I saw they got a new watch. They get a lot of new watches all the time. Uh, yeah, they got... We, My friend Jordan and I, we had a big discussion about Seiko. Turns out that Seiko, I didn't know, was actually Japanese. You probably knew that. Yes. I didn't know that. What did you think it was? I had no idea, really. The truth of the matter is, I didn't. I don't know. I, I didn't. I never knew. You never thought about it. I, I never thought about it. I, you know what the truth is? I really like Japanese things. Yeah. You know that's one there's, of my that's one of my like bucket list things. To we got to go to Japan. And this is the, there's a Japan. few say, there's a few Japanese things that I just like stuff from there. You know what I mean? And 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 so uh, when I learned because I, I went through all the the great watches at at uh, retrowatchguy.com. And I found the beautiful Seiko. This one's relatively cheap at four hundred seventy-five dollars. Yep. And this is from nineteen sixty-eight. It's uh, it's an automatic, which means it winds itself. Uh, it's just a beautiful. It has it has also a wonderful um, uh, band that I really like. Um, and there's words here uh, that 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 are that are, that that speak to my man's heart. It's got a solid all steel case, in excellent <laughs> condition. Uh, it's big. Uh, the standout <laughs> feature on this one is is the engine turned bezel. I just just you say words like engine turned. I don't understand anything, but matter. I'm glad you're happy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it gives a sophisticated look. All the original finishes are completely intact, and the edges are super sharp, really clean, preserved condition. So it's a 1968 watch. It's uh, it's it's got a perforated brown leather strap, uh, and just as a, a beauty, beautiful sports watch from a different time, but uh, handsome. Would look good in a suit or just like on Shabbat, um, and it's a great, it's a great extra watch. Look, Mark, let's see. That's real nice. I know it's a beauty, right? It's yep. a beauty, and they have a great. The retro watch guy has a great Instagram page, which makes you salivate if you're into this kind of thing. Uh, and it's also, it's also within the world of guyness of guy yeah. stuff. It's like this is not a Ferrari right. that you have to mortgage your child for, and it's not a, another gun that I know in America they have a lot of guns here in Israel. We just can't have more right. guns. It's a watch, you know what I mean? And you have a watch and you're like, it's something that's fun for you. I have my, my Tissot and it's got a special hanging place. I wear it on Shabbat or, or when I go to Knesset. I might put it on to this afternoon. Nice. I got to go for the Knesset. Uh, so it's fun. And this is a beautiful watch and Seiko for the good folks of Japanese. By the way, a very old company started in the like like mid-1800s. Oh, or so. wow. Yeah. yeah, a cool, cool like Japanese brand. So that's really cool. So that's Retro Watch Guy. Um Check it out. And of course, for both of those, both Prohibition Pickle and Retro Watch Guy, you type in coupon code Yishai, bang, and you get percentage points off, making it cheaper, more attractive to you. And that's awesome. So please support our sponsors. Uh, please check out, of course, the good folks at uh, JewishPress.com that put out a wonderful uh, news. Um, just just they're, they're up and at them getting you today's news and analysis, but without being uptight. It's not like an uptight, 
you know, New Yorker type, you know, uh, it's like, it's like, here's the stuff from real people seeing it on the ground and they're always analyzing it and caring about the stuff. And I love uh, Steve uh, and some of the staff over there and they put out a great email. So that's jewishpress.com. They put out the Ishai Fleischer show every week, like clockwork, like that Seiko at RetroWatch guy. Um, and I also want to recommend that you check out uh, there's no coupon codes there. Basically, it's a free website. Go check it out. Uh, but if you do want to own your own beautiful The Israel Bible, check out theisraelbible.com. Coupon code Yishai there will give you bang, bang. 10, 10% off of God's Holy Word. And it's got the most beautiful pages, the most beautiful writing, English, Hebrew, transliteration, translation, and commentary. I mean, come on. And the cover is awesome. I promise you, if right. you haven't done it. It's a great it, item for yourself. Yeah, and it's a great gift for Hanukkah. Ooh, nice. That's right. That's right. In fact, all the things I'm talking about are great Hanukkah gifts. That's gift. true. Everything I'm talking about is a great Hanukkah gift. So put on your yarmulke, because <laughs> here comes Hanukkah. That's right. Okay? So much Hanukkah. That's right. So uh, what was the last one? The, theisraelbible.com and the coupon code Yishai, and it's a beautiful book. And I want to, of course, uh, do a shout out to our beloved forefathers and mothers housed in uh, a beautiful tomb created by a uh, tomb complex created by King Herod still preserved to this very day just as good as that Seiko watch keeps it ticking t- keeps takes a lick and keeps on ticking and it's still there after 2,000 years and 3,800 years of Jewish tombs and 3,000 years plus of Jewish life around these tombs because we are the protectors the defenders the knights of the Machpelah and you could help continue uh, the strength. And I want to thank all the folks who donated to our campaign, uh, the Hebron Fund, hebronfund.org. Um, come on our tour. Be part of our, of, our, of our lives. Be part of the forefathers and mothers. Support the community that keeps it open for the rest of us, hebronfund.org. Wow, that was a lot, right, Malka? Yeah. And uh, very finally, if you want to support the show, and we appreciate that you do, check out buymeacoffee.com forward slash yeshai buymeacoffee.com forward slash Yishai or just go to the website yishaiflasher.com see the, our, our, our videos past and present and our on our radio shows and our uh, articles and all the stuff and I got to write a new article now so we got a lot going on thank Hashem thank the Lord so that's yishaiflasher.com and you can also support our projects you can go to my Facebook page and check out the latest pictures that I put up of the tomb of Ruth and Yishai and how beautiful it yeah, is yeah it's looking there. really great thank Hashem Thank you, Hashem. Thank you, Hashem, for you, Malka. Ditto. Thank you, Hashem, for you. That's right. You have a one last article you want to talk about? I mean, I don't know. I feel like you went through all kinds of good stuff. I just wanted to say that one really cool thing happened. Yeah. Maybe you guys were following, but in China, you know that there's this horrible war on inside Iran for the freedom of people. Yep. Right? You bet. And there were announcements that that the modesty police were being destroyed and people inside Iran said, no, they're not being destroyed. And that fight is, is very much ongoing. Inside China, which I compare to Iran in some ways, inside China, there has been a major pushback against the government on its COVID policy. Right. Here in Israel, we had a very harsh COVID policy, but now it is gone. The COVID policy evaporated. You you never feel um, COVID restrictions except for one, one, one place. And that is when you want to go to um, healthcare facility, you have to wear a mask. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's basically the only time you ever feel right. um, anything like that. 
Um, but, but in there's China, a, there's always the guy in shul. There's the one guy in shul. Okay, but he yeah. wears a mask, but he's not going to give you a hard time. He right. can do whatever he wants. He can sure. wear a plastic bag on his head. Yeah. He can do whatever he wants. Not recommended. Not recommended. Right. In China, though, they have been continuing on with COVID policy, like the height of the COVID wave in Israel. Right. And it has become very, very oppressive. And people went out to the streets and started protesting. These people, in my eyes, are so incredibly brave because, as we know, China is has a really oppressive government and there's cameras everywhere and your your money is tied into your phone and your job is on the line and there's an, an honor system on top of everything. And so it's like to step out of line like that is a major, major statement and a, a profound bravery. Yep. So this report was very eye-opening and very happy, which is that China announced on Wednesday a loosening of COVID restrictions. Mm-hmm. Some of the things that are going to change um, are the PCR testing, which has been like, I think you have to get it like every 48 hours or something like that. They're, they're like reducing that significantly. Lockdowns will be scaled down. People with non-severe COVID cases can isolate at home instead of centralized government facilities. Do you understand that people have been reporting people with like just a positive COVID test have had to leave their homes and go live in like some government controlled place. People will no longer be required to show a green health code on their phone to enter public buildings and spaces, except for nursing homes, medical institutions, kindergartens, middle and high schools. So school, which is very harsh. Imagine, you know, for our kids, we went through such a thing with the kids and the and vaccines and whether they could go to school and not go to school. People with no symptoms or mild cases of COVID are no longer going to be forced to quarantine. Um, asymptomatic infected persons in mild cases uh, can voluntarily choose isolation treatment or stay at home. Mass PCR tests are only going to be carried out in certain places. And to us, that sounds like too much still. But for them, it's it's really big. And I just want to say, like, I find that this is a major victory for freedom. Call it's not vote. like they just got out totally from under the, right. the thumb. But to stand up to to a government of that size and impact mm-hmm. and to make any dent whatsoever right. um, is really, really incredible. And I just want to congratulate <laughs> The Chinese people on that progress. And and again, we pray for the Iranian people. We pray for the Chinese people to get out from the thumb of oppression. Uh, and we stand here from with Israel, from Israel and uh, we stand with you. And Bezrat Hashem will hear, will hear good news and, uh, and, and this tyranny uh, that the world wants to face uh, will, be, will be subdued and instead uh, let freedom ring. Yes. Uh, all right, Malka, we have a lot more on the show. It, it's, been, it's been a really, really fun time with you today. So thanks a lot, Malka, for your time and your, and your great articles that you brought us and great information. Uh, next up is the one and only Ryan Bellarose. That's really exciting. Which was a great segment. I promise you it's going to be really interesting for you. I was uh, here at this very spot where I am now last night recording with, with Ryan. Very special guy. We're talking about a Native American, American Indian, Native people's uh, activist, matey activist. You're going to learn a lot and, and hear from a great thinker and speaker. It's something very special. We'll finish off the show with a few minutes of, uh, of Table Torah, uh, which I think is important for this Torah portion of Vayishlach. There's so many beautiful things here. Uh, and more great stuff is on the way. Thank you, Hashem, for letting us broadcast. Thank you to Ben Bresky, Yochevet Seidman, Moshe Herman, 
Tabitha and Lewin were live uh, for get, getting the show out to the world. We really appreciate your uh, support and help and love and team mateship. And that's it. So let's uh, take a little tiny break. We'll be back with Brian Bellarose. Maka, thanks again. Thank God bless you. you. Shabbat shalom. Don't worry. The Ishai Flasher show will be right back. So stay tuned. All right, folks, you are listening to the Ishai Fleischer Show. And uh, this half we're going to be talking about indigenous bridges, indigenous bridges. Uh, and I'll just preface a little bit here. You know, I've met a few people who hung out with American Indians or Native Americans or, or uh, First Nations, Native peoples. Um, and two of them told me a similar story. And they told me that uh, when they hung out with uh, these tribes... At some point, the chief found out that uh, they're Jews, and the chief just kind of stopped and just said to them, go to your native lands. We wish we could get back to our native lands, and if we could, we would, and therefore you should go. Your God has brought you back to your native lands. This is your time. Go. Go to your land. And I always thought that was very, that was a, when I heard that, I was like, wow, that is just a... That's just a cool thought and a, and a cool bridge. You know, I'm, I'm always searching for bridges between Jews and, and the outside world. And there are different kinds of bridges. Sometimes it's conservatism and sometimes it's indigeneity and sometimes it's ancient nations. There's all kinds of bridges or sometimes it's technology or defense. There are things that bring Israel together with others. But this was like, I was like, wow, I never thought of that. And on our last trip uh, to the United States as a family, we went to, we, we stayed in North Texas where my wife's father lives and uh we also took a day to go out to oklahoma and spend time with the chickasaw indians and check out their museum and i found it to be again fascinating one of the one of the funny moments that i had there was we we watched them do a dance and it was you know definitely they did a dance for us this wasn't like a totally like native moment it's not like we were like flies on the walls they did a dance for us and you know it wasn't the full thing but they were wearing these turtle shells with the uh, with the stuff inside that made the the noise, and they wore stuff on their belts that were tassels. And I came up to them afterwards to the dancers, and I said, "You know, I also have tassels." I took out my tzitzit and I showed them my tassels, and I said, "You know, I'm also a, a native peoples." They asked me, "What are you?" Then I said, I'm, "I'm a Jew from Judea," and they were appreciative of that, and it was it was it was just very cool. And I learned a lot. I learned a lot from that experience, and and uh, not just the, there's lingo. That is good lingo. There are there are feelings that are that are smart feelings, uh, and there are bridges between us. We have indigenous bridges. Uh, one of the people uh, that is part of the scene of activists for Jewish rights in Judea is Ryan Belaros, who is uh, a Métis, indigenous, native peoples. In Canada, they would call it First Nations, uh, and he's kind of famous in our in our world. Uh, and he's not always found. He's usually in in, in Alberta. In northern Alberta, uh, but she, but he is found from time to time here in the land of Israel. So he's not exactly indigenous uh, to the to the land of Israel, but he's definitely part of our scene. Uh, and he's uh, a, a, a very large pep fellow. Okay, he is just physically a, a head and a half taller than me, at least. Uh, but uh, but but he comes with an amazing wisdom, an amazing understanding, and has a lot of experiences and a lot of tales. And it's an honor to have uh, some uh, indigenous 
Bridges with you right now, Ryan. Shalom and welcome to the show. Shalom. I'm glad to be here. It's great to have you. It's great to have you in the house. And uh, first thing, like, what are you what are you doing in the good land here? Well, I uh, I came really to visit friends, but also there's a couple companies that we were looking at maybe trying to get them to come and do some work in northern Alberta with the native community. So, you know, like greenhouse stuff. There's a, a company called TOM. Uh, they, they do stuff for handicapped people. So it's then there's a there's is a problem in our communities with helping elderly and handicapped people. So if we can get some bit bridges built like that, it would be really outstanding for our community. Mm. So you're coming to Israel to bring some Israeli technology to your people. Yeah, I don't know if you know this, but you guys are really good at stuff. Yeah, there's some stuff. <laughs> there's some stuff we're good at. Some stuff where we we still need help on. Uh, that's that's important to remember here in Israel. Sometimes sometimes we get proud of our stuff, but we forget that. For example, as I was telling you that. Garbage collection was better done 40 years ago in Canada when I was a kid when I used to visit in Toronto. was was done better than it's still being done today in, in here in Gush Etzion. Um And you also have, um, you yourself are developing a kind of Jewish-related business. Yeah, so uh, we're converting my father's beef ranch to buffalo. And what we're going to do, hopefully, is uh, we'll have kosher buffalo. Mm. So. You know, it'll be shechted properly. It'll have proper kosher supervision. Kosher buffalo wings. <laughs> no. No, they don't actually no, that's, have wings. That's, that's, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's something else. But yeah. I, I like the idea. Okay, kosher buffalo. Yeah. And and are these like buffalo that roam on the range or yeah, what? Yeah, so like we'll have, once we get all of our land that I've applied for, we, we should have six sections of land. So that's, a, that's an immense amount of land. So they'll be free roaming, free range. And like basically they'll be living natural lives. And then we, every couple of months some of them will have one really bad day that's, that's the way we're, well, that's well, what we hope well, right the, the jewish thought about that is that that's a great day because the spirit is freed yeah and they they become a kosher food <laughs> you know for a jewish person we think yeah. that's pretty good fair enough okay. yeah that but, makes sense. but but it's interesting what you're saying because let me let me i'll tell a tiny story sure one time um one time uh, one time Christiana Manpour, a very famous CNN and I think ABC also broadcaster, was at our house on the Mount of Olives. And uh, she said to me, we were on our balcony there, and she says to me, oh, Mr. Fleischer, don't you know you're living on occupied land? And I said to her, occupied? This is my people's burial grounds. We've been buried here for over 3,000 years. Do you think we have no rights to our burial lands? And she was stumped. And yeah. the reason she was stumped, and I told people later, was that I went American Indian on her. I talked about <laughs> burial grounds, right? Yeah, that's and, smart. Right? And, and now, why am I saying this? Because burial, that type of language and tone is a liberal, left, progressive s- s- style tone. 100%. Okay? And when you were talking about the buffalo, right, you, were yeah. about, you could have said a lot of words that are super appealing to somebody who wants to purchase... Food at Whole Foods. How would that sound? Yeah. How would your beef sound? Yeah, well, then you would be like, you know, you'd say humanely raised, ethically slaughtered by indigenous people on their ancestral land. Like, it's yeah. <laughs> but but is but but it's true. It's, it's, it's true. Those but it's things just, are yeah. true, and yeah, and those and there's a beauty to it, right? Oh, 100 percent. But it's it's you know, like for us, it's kind of you know, like we roll our eyes when we say it. But I mean, the truth is, it is like Paddle Prairie isn't actually my ancestral land. But it is land that we were given by the government mm. to make up for the fact that they exiled and stole our land. Mm. So it's unfortunate, but that has become our land base. So my, my my father was one of the people that managed to get that put into law. But the unfortunate part is, like, we don't actually live on our ancestral land. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people don't know that. Mm-hmm. 
So. Okay. But what I was getting to, uh, that, that's an interesting and important point. Uh, and we were, by the way, offered Uganda yeah. as, a, as, a, as that kind of deal that you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Next year uh, in Kampala. That's right. But yeah. that, didn't, that didn't happen. We, we, we wouldn't accept it, frankly. Yeah. Our people said, no, they, started, they just were like, I, we didn't want that. But today, left and right is like a package of values, a package of like morals, a package of, of, of um, you know, the way you kind of identify with a certain grouping of of ideas and so if i'm into what you just said right ethically raised on by indigenous people humanely slaughtered yeah. well then I, I those words are going to come out of a mouth that is oftentimes left leaning on the political spectrum 100% and your country canada is one of the real left countries in this world yeah um that doesn't usually go together with and the jewish people the jewish nation is an indigenous peoples kicked off their land, coming back now uh, to take up the place that they had two commonwealths in beforehand, uh, fighting back the colonialist uh, Islam, uh, fighting back the the regressive jihad, uh, bringing in uh, uh, values of liberty uh, to this region. No, those things are non sequitur. Yeah. Because usually the same people that buy that food at the the kosher uh, holistic buffalo... Yeah. Uh, are also the ones who think that we are the white occupiers, the th- thieves of this land, yeah. and that we are the ones displacing the indigenous. So, so yeah. I'm I'm very fascinated by this uh, by this left right schism, and you yeah. live you live on that schism. Oh yeah, I've I've been involved in it for over twenty years now because I made the mistake of being consistent. I made the mistake of forming my opinions using my brain rather than just going along with the flow. So what en- what I- what en- really ended up happening was like, okay, so I always teach kids by saying there's five things that make an indigenous person's identity, right? Language, land, culture, blood, and spirituality. Those five let's, things. Let, let's go that through a little slower. Let's do okay, it again. Sorry. Yeah. No, no. Okay. This, yeah. This is great. Let's do so it. So it's, it's language, mm-hmm. land, culture, blood, and spirituality. Okay. Now those five things work together like fingers on a hand. So just like a hand, if you lose one of those fingers, it makes it more difficult for you to, to manifest an authentic identity. But unlike fingers, you can regrow those things, right? The problem for a lot of indigenous people is that we've been removed from our ancestral lands. We've lost our languages because we've been heavily assimilated. We had our spirituality met- modes and methods taken from us. So some of us are trying to regrow those things. We're trying to get those things back. My contention has always been that the best way to do that is to learn from people who have done the same thing. What's blood? So blood would be you're, you're related to the pre-colonial people. You you have you carry the blood of those people, mm-hmm. and that's an important one because, and and in your context, you know nowadays we we see a lot of people saying, well, there's Palestinians that used to be Jews, but the problem is that they what they did was they abrogated their status. They decided they would rather be Arabs than Jews, for whatever reason. Now. That means they adopted the conqueror's mantle. When you do that, you're not indigenous anymore. You've sided with the people that are oppressing the indigenous people. And that means the only way for them to regain their indigenous status would be to come back to Judaism, to side with the Jewish people again. Because you can't be an enemy of the Jewish people and then still claim that you're part of the Jewish people. That's not the way it works. And so what I always try to explain to people is that blood is super important but it's only one of the five things. Mm-hmm. So language, I understand. Yep. Land, I understand. Yep. Um, culture. Culture. Yeah. 
and spirituality. Spirituality is really the thumb because just like a hand, the thumb is what makes the whole hand work. Mm -hmm. Now, indigenous spirituality, the reason it's such a key is when you look at it, there's often there's concepts that are only, they only make sense to indigenous people when they're in an indigenous person's language and when you're talking in the context of their spirituality. So for like Jews, you have the lunar calendar, right? The lunar calendar doesn't make sense anywhere else. I mean, you're not going to do... Our calendar is a mix. You know, yeah. It's lunar, but it, but it is, uh, it is um, yeah. kind of fixed up by the solar. Yeah. But you also like, it doesn't make sense when you look at it in other contexts. Like nobody's going to do Sukkot in Poland in October. Right, like it doesn't right, make right, sense, right, right? You're not going to live in a tent. Let's put it this way. It's certainly when you, when you, when you come from like myself, like living in America yeah. and then suddenly you come here and it's like, wow, that holiday fits perfect with this weather and yeah. this time and the fruits that come out of this land. <laughs> it's just boom, you know, and sitting mm -hmm. in New York city uh, in Brooklyn wearing a, a coat and a hat and it's raining on your sukkah and yeah. there's, and there's no, it makes the, so much less sense. Yeah, It doesn't make sense. It's, you know, it, okay, it's a holdover and we hold on to it. And maybe, maybe there's a beauty to actually holding on to something beautiful about it. Right. You're like yeah. holding on to that culture, <laughs> you know, through thick and thin, yeah, Exactly. but, but there's not, it's much more organic and holistic when it's mm -hmm. done here. No question about it. Yeah, like, so I was talking to a friend of mine, he's a professor at bar Ilan, and he said something to me that kind of shocked me, it took me aback, right? Because I, I always, like, I like to ask people questions, this is what I do. And I said to him, I said, like, what do you like the best about being in Israel? And he said, I'm not a Jew here. And that was not the answer I was looking for. It wasn't the one I expected. So I kind of looked at him funny and I said, I, I don't get it. And he said, here, I'm just a dude. Like, I'm like everybody else. Uh-huh. And it really hit uh -huh. me because like I talk a lot about, you know, in Canada, mm -hmm. sometimes I feel like a stranger in my own country. Stranger in a strange land, we like to say. Ex That's exactly, right? 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 So like coming here and seeing Jews get to manifest a Jewish identity right. and be just totally in the moment, like they're just, they're not, they're not consciously, look at me, I'm a Jew, they're just being Jews. Right. That's so important and it's so awesome to see mm. because... That's the goal for us. Our, our goal has always been, like, we're not going to achieve national self-determination. That's not in the cards. The, the reality is there's too many people in Canada. They outnumber us by a significant margin. And there's just no way that's ever going to happen. But we could still have participatory power in the government. You know, we, sh we still have the right to perpetuate our people and our language. So that's what we're looking for. But to come here and see an Indigenous people who have managed to regain control of their ancestral land who took a language that was largely a ceremonial language and, and turned it back into a daily use language. This is what being indigenous is all about. And it, it's the struggle. And, and sometimes I think Jews especially don't really understand how amazing it is and they take it for granted. They don't realize that this is the goal for every indigenous people. Yeah, they, they, it, 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 one of the arguments that I made recently uh, is that Jews all over the world should, should understand that this is the greatest project of our people. Even yeah. if you don't want to make Aliyah and live here right now, like let's get together over the simple consciousness that this is the big one. Yeah. This is the big one. This is the one we've been waiting for. And we take it for granted. And our politics takes it for granted. And and the 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 cynicism. And you know, in Hebrew in English it works, but in Hebrew it works even better. I say Tsionut, Lotsiun <laughs> one more time. Tsionut, Lotsiniut. Zionism, not cynicism. You know what I mean? There's just yeah. so much cynicism, and cynicism is really one of the one of the great evils of the day. Uh, I, I think actually the indigenous discourse is very uncynical. It's like it's like here we are. Yeah. By the way, just I, I want to throw this in parenthetically. We started talking about this last week. Um, I looked to my Iranian. 
Persian brothers and sisters, and I see indigenous people fighting against uh, an occupying idea. Yeah, it may be it may be the same blood, but the culture is this this oppression of this this this. Uh, you well, know, they, they're trying to destroy Persian culture. Like right. they they build hydroelectric dams that flood Persian sacred sites. Mm. So I mean, like they they don't care about Persian history. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So actually, you said something to me. Uh, Last time I was here, and I, I, I you know, I, I didn't forget it. I, I say it to people all the time now. Like somebody asked me, like, why do you talk so much about Judea and Samaria in particular, and the city of Hebron? And I said, like, even if you're not religious and you're not spiritual, like, you have to understand the the significance of a place like Hebron. I, and and I said, my friend Yishai says it best. You're going to visit Grandma's house. Like, that's where the grandmother and grandfather of the Jewish people are buried. And if you can't understand that, then there's maybe something wrong with you. Like, it's not, it, it's a you problem, not a me problem. Cause I mean, I get it. Well, they might understand it, but they may not like it. You know what I mean? It bothers them. It's, it's bothersome. It is a bothersome. It's, a, it's like a problem. It's, yeah. it's sometimes even a problem for Jews who want to have a different identity. And, you know, you know, Jewish people are, are, are in gathering from a lot of places and they have, we have a lot of identity struggle inside. Some identity struggles, by the way, have completely changed over these over these past few years. For example, the Ashkenazi Sephardi rift has, in large measure, melted away here in Israel, yeah, because people have just married into one another, and 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 it's still there, but it's like it's almost not a thing. It's almost like a joke, kind of. It's like a cute yeah, thing, like the like the kidney odd argument, right? Right, or whatever. <laughs> the, you know, you know so the, the, these little things, but um, but we do have a tension in Israel between a culture, let's call it Tel Aviv culture. Although I think that's a gross overstatement, but let's call it Tel Aviv culture, which seeks to be a Mediterranean basin, high tech, latte drinking, modern city. Everybody's on wheels, on some kind of wheels. <laughs> there's like there's or wheel. Should I say wheel? You know, I'm, yeah. I'm most impressed with people on a wheel. I, yeah, when the I unicycle see a, people. Yeah, I, when I yeah. see a guy on a wheel, I'm like, and a mechanized wheel. Yeah, it's I literally impressive. saw a guy on a mechanized wheel. Writing some kind of text on his phone while walking his dog on a leash. Wow. Crossing a street. I'm like, kudos. Okay? That's pretty impressive. Yeah. But that identity doesn't always mix easily with a biblical, an Abrahamic, a scribal. Like like I'm not a scribe. Yeah. I'm not a I'm not a camel <laughs> driving, you know, you know, biblical person. And and I think that one of the beautiful things, and I would like to hear your comment on, on this, which is no, be able to harmonize and th- synthesize those identities. They actually work just fine together. Hundred percent. Look, I, I don't wear a loincloth, right? And, <laughs> you know, like I have the internet. I'm right. not. A, I'm not a savage. Like, right? You know that. That's the thing. People take people. But but, but they, there are moments that you will put on ceremonial clothes. Yeah. Or yeah. Or 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 get into that place. Yeah. Or if I have to go hunting, you know, I've been known to kill a few things. Right. Because like you know, like you're like also a hunter. You're, yeah. Yeah. We kill to eat, but. Like you, you made a good point because people tend to think that indigenous equates to primitive or to tribalist, and it, it and while it is quite tribal, it, it's not primitive. Like our belief systems are actually pretty complex, and and when you look, like my personal belief system, I follow Cree spirituality, mm-hmm. right? So the closest thing that I can equate it to uh, that most of your viewers would understand is it's much like Spinoza. It's pantheist, right? So we believe that we're a small piece of the creator. So nothing that I believe is really contrary to Judaism. They don't contradict each other. We believe in a single God. It's one God, but we're all small, tiny pieces of that God, right? Everything is part of the creator. And there are, 
sex within Judaism who who let's put it this way will speak of that a little bit more. You know, chelak elokami mal mamash, like your your piece of your, your soul is a piece of God. There, there are yeah. there are, and there's some argument about that, but yeah, there's yeah. definitely sex in Israel, Judaism that will <laughs> that will strengthen that point. Yeah, but but for the most part, what I'm saying is that we're we don't contradict you, and you don't contradict us. So. I actually tell people sometimes because I, I I don't think it's an issue. I follow the Noahide laws. Yeah, I'm not going to eat an, an animal while it's alive. Like that's kind of a <laughs> move, right? So I wouldn't do something like that. That's right. That's right. Really, the set, the Noahide laws are pretty pretty straightforward. Yeah, they're pretty, they're pretty easy to follow. Yeah, they're pretty like, straight. Yeah. That's why I always say, by the way, that the Noahide laws are are basically a basis. They're not they're not a they're not a full religion. They're not yeah, a full exactly. way to live life. You you need more than that. To, yeah, to that's why life. I follow Cree spirituality. But right. I mean. We add in those, and like when I talk to people in northern Alberta, and I explain what the Noahide laws are, they they look at me kind of funny because they're like, "Isn't that kind of like common sense?" Right. And I was like, "Yeah." So pretty easy to follow. I think a few thousand years ago wasn't so common sense. Probably not. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think it wasn't so common <laughs> sense. Uh, uh, you know, uh, sexual morality and these things. In many ways, in many ways, we have, uh, and and this is what Nietzsche would say: we have enslaved ourselves. We have limited our free will. To these moral values, no, but he's yeah. right though in that yeah. sense. It, we 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 have suppressed. That's what Rabbi Tendler used to tell us. He used to tell us, "You go down the street, you see some guy that you hate. You're like, I'd love to murder that guy," but then you're like, "No, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I've suppressed that that yeah. that will." Well, uh, you know, there, I think it was Jordan Peterson. He he made a comment. That and was there's actually, another successful Canadian, eh? Yeah, yeah, he's actually from Fairview, which is close to where I live, about three hour or no four hours south. But uh, he said something that was really really quite smart he said you know like it's not a virtue to not be dangerous it's a virtue to be dangerous and to choose not to be dangerous right, right. then it's a virtue mm-hmm. and so like what you were saying you know like yeah we, we we do things sometimes but that's what makes us decent human beings we're, we're decent human beings because we have the ability to not be decent but we choose to be decent right let's go let's go back to um the the issue that i think is 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 the in 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 some ways this is the issue of the day, which is the left right split. Yeah. One of the reasons it's the issue of the day is because America, North America, the United States, and maybe North America, uh, has gone very divisive in its political culture, in its discourse culture. Yeah. Um, those weapons, one of the things that has become weaponized is Israel and the story of Israel. Yeah. Uh, it is, it is a, it is a, a cudgel. It is, or, or, and, and certainly cudgels are used on it. Yeah. And, and the Jews are a little, in some, in some collective unconscious, some DNA sense, we're used to being pawns between powers. Yeah. But uh, it is it is obvious to me that uh, Israel is a is an issue out there. Maybe some people don't know why it's such an issue, but I think, for example, if we're going to be pushing very hard the gay agenda, the LGBT plus whatever all that yeah. uh, agenda, the alphabet people, right? Well, then Israel, even if it is one of the gay capitals of the Middle East, yeah, it's also at the same time a God country with a biblical morality and that's what it stands for and the miracle of israel stands yeah. for that and so so it is a focal point of attack oh, of course look israel itself is a wedge issue like that's what that's what i wanted to get you to talking about yeah so like what what i noticed right away when i started talking about all of this stuff is that 
if you speak about Israel in any way that is not extremely condemnatory, you're automatically seen as pro-Israel, right? And I just leaned into it because I looked at it as, well, being pro-Israel seems to me like it's just the moral, ethical, and rational position, right? Like, why wouldn't I support people? But tell me about the atmosphere. Tell me about the atmosphere. That's what, that's what I want. Mean, I, I want you to talk to me yeah. about the atmosphere. That you, I know that you're, you live in Canada. Yeah. You, you, you are, you're a close follower of the social media world. Tell me about how you how you how you seeing this schism this, this oh, situation. Tell me tell me about the situation from your perspective. So basically, it's turned into like it's it's very polarized, right? It used to be you could kind of somewhat be a lefty and still maintain some semblance of Zionism. Over probably the last five years, it's it's gone completely. It's a maximalist thing, so it's no longer there's no no center anymore, which is difficult for me because I'm kind of a radical centrist. I try to each issue. I try to think, and then I try to learn, and then I form a position. But now everything's about rhetoric and maximalism. So if you are pro-Israel, you're automatically seen as, well, you support apartheid and all this other nonsense. And anybody who does the basic research knows that it's not true, but it doesn't matter what's true. It only matters what people feel, especially on social media. So you end up with, you know, like the people who generally support Israel are, are, if you look, it's mostly conservative people who have very good morals people that have a moral compass and the people that are very anti-Israel are almost always woke people, the people that are going along with just what everybody says and they, you know, the pitchfork crowd. So they, they see somebody say something they don't like and they immediately, Oh, we got to cancel that guy. Get the pitchforks. Let's go. You know, I like that term pitchfork. Uh, I think, I think that's true. (laughs) Definitely. It's definitely out there (laughs) like that. And, and it's anti-intellectual and it's, um, and it's like, we will shut you down in the name of liberty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw I saw a meme where they had uh, that guy uh, uh, Klaus Schwab, oh. <laughs> and the meme was like, and you see him laughing, and he goes, "Yeah, I I told them uh, that freedom of speech endangers freedom of speech." <laughs> yeah, I know. And you know the funny thing is, there would be people that would buy that. Right, like, oh, it, that it's happened. insane. That it's that insane. Happened. That's right. Mm. Look, but it's you asked an important question because like where I'm from. Most people are not vocal, right? So even right, if they, Canada is not like a yeah, they're not. There's look, there's activist kind of people, and then there's the normal people. Most normal people don't want to get involved in this stuff, and most of the time when you they see it on Facebook, they scroll by because they don't really want to get involved, right? But then it's like I talk about the eighty ten ten rule all the time. Eighty percent of the people hate you. Ten percent of the people, you know, they. Uh, they hate you a lot. Sorry, eighty percent of the people don't care. Wait, eighty don't care. Eighty don't care. You Ten got me care for a second. Yeah, because <laughs> 80, 80, 80, 80 are like don't care at all. Ten percent hate you and ten percent love you, mm-hmm. and and you don't really see a lot of movement between those groups, right? right. But the problem is the eighty percent that don't care still see all the nonsense, and like what I what I talk to people about is okay. So unfortunately for us, our activists tend to talk about really dumb stuff, like. I, I, I coined the term cherry tomato advocacy a couple of years ago because there were literally Israel advocates whose response to anything the Arabs were saying was, but we invented the cherry tomato right. and we're really good at science. That's right. Right? And that doesn't work. No, it doesn't work because it doesn't answer the, the, the accusation, what I call the occupation accusation. Exactly. It doesn't answer that. But yeah. you know what? And I used to make fun of those people a lot. Yeah. Because I thought that they were like just, just, just you know, yeah, just well, it's c- kind of sad. Yeah, well, it's it's a, it's it's a, what, what's the word? What's the proper word for it? When well-meaning like, idiots? No, they, they no, but they 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 want to d- d- demure. What's the word when you're like, like hiding the the real issue that, that that's in front of you? There's a good word for it. Yeah. But in any case, 
Uh, but you know what? I've actually come to understand what they want to say. They're afraid to say it, but they're kind of trying to say it. And yeah. this is what they mean to say. What they mean to say in very unpolitically correct terms, they say something very politically correct or very neutral. Yeah. But what they mean to say is the following. We are light. Yeah. We're trying to bring light into this world. The other guys, they're darkness. Yeah. They're regressive. And so what do you want to side with, with people who want to bring light into this world or the ones that want to bring darkness? Now, yeah. that's not a good answer to the question of, did you steal somebody's land? Because yeah. it could be all the light in the world. Yeah. But, but what they mean in their heart is, Israel is a source of, 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 a, of, of, a, of a channel of, of knowledge and goodness. Yeah, and the other guys, they want to go back to who knows what, you know, and just yeah. suppress, suppress, suppress. That's what they're trying to say. Yeah. I, I think you're being generous. But, yeah. <laughs> but and you know, I, I really hope that you're right. But what I've learned too is that, you know, like I've, I didn't think that I was so extreme. I really didn't. Cause I mean, I used to be a two stater, you know, before I kind of smartened up. And the way I smartened up was really funny because I was talking to a well, friend. Well, two state makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah. Well, if you don't know anything, right. yeah. Just, so oh, I, oh, I, oh, you got to, you got to hear, I'm oh, going to get back sorry. to you a second, but I got a new way. I got a new way that I tell people. I go, okay. I go, Israel's Taiwan. Okay. And the Palestinians are part of China. They're part. They want to. Yeah. Ch- so should we cut Taiwan in half and give half of it to China, and there'll be peace? Do you believe that? Yeah. People actually are like, oh yeah, that kind of makes sense. So, what I was going to tell you is how, how I how I kind of got rid of my two state delusion. My, I was talking to a friend on the phone, and my dad overheard me. Right, and my dad's kind of a grouchy old Indian guy. He's like, he's actually really funny sometimes. But he was sitting there, and he was giving me f- like real stink eye. So I got off the phone and I said, clearly you, have, clearly you have something to say, Merv, like fire it up. And he looks at me and he goes, if somebody came to Paddle tomorrow and said, give me 30% of Paddle Prairie and then we'll leave you alone, what would you say to him? And I looked at him. I was like, well, I'd punch him in the face. And he looks at me and he goes, so why are you so comfortable telling your Jewish friends to give those guys the land? He said, that's just garbage, Ryan. Smarten up. And I looked at him and I was like, it was so funny because I, I was locked into that two-state delusion. I right. was like fair and balanced and, you know, like this way everybody gets something. And then I realized, you know what? He's not wrong. Like right. Israel's less than 1% of the landmass. He basically got you to think yeah, like, like a native my person, yeah. right? And got you out of that Canadian zone yeah. and into like your own, you know. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. it was it was actually really funny because right up until that point, no joke, I would have argued vociferously that, you know, the best way is to keep them happy by giving them some land and then they'll, but you know, the truth of the matter is if you'd look at this through an indigenous lens, that's garbage. You don't give indigenous land to a colonizer and then say, Hey, you can take this land and then we'll have peace. Right. Right. Because you'll leave me alone. It's like land for peace. You get no peace and you end up with no land. (laughs) So dad. Yeah. Yeah. Merv. Merv. (laughs) He, He totally. Yeah. I got to say like, look, I'm yeah, not yeah. one of those kids that always thinks my dad's wrong. He's, he's a pretty smart guy, even if he pisses me off. So <laughs> yeah, nobody, he, he got you. He got, he, he got me. Yeah. He got yeah. you. He really, he really put it into your mind. That's great stuff. Yep. That's great stuff. And it's, and it's, and it's what, what's, what's, what's another battle out there. Funnily, I think, and I don't even know if we have enough width to discuss this bandwidth to discuss this, but what happened with your dad is also the common sense and simple logic of 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 people the good hard working people of this world you yeah. know like just common people common people. people and and yeah. with, with common sense yep but in the uh, progressive world 
common sense is repudiated and hated yep. and looked down upon because their basic stance is of an elitism uh, and a deep um, haughtiness and a yeah. deep uh, sense of entitlement to be this elect. There's yeah. the elect oh, yeah. have returned to this world. Well, it's like world. the deplorables, right? Like right. that's the whole thing. Right. The, it's, the, it's really the, the elite ele- versus right. the... It's the elect versus the deplorables. Yeah. And uh, and that's that's a that's a, that's a big issue out there. That's definitely a big issue. Tell me, do you uh, do you come across uh, young people? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So the funny thing is, like, I what I find is that the the people that are actually open minded, right? When you present them a good solid argument and you don't leave any air, you don't leave any holes, they generally tend to say, "Okay, you know what? I'm going to do a little research on my own." And unfortunately for us, the problem is that you know we live like I, I have a presentation about it called advocacy in the age of bullshit. We live in an age where there's so much nonsense out there. We we cannot like we we can't fight all the nonsense. We have to pick the worst nonsense. So like I'll tell young people, if you go put Israel into YouTube, be careful of the sources. Like pay attention. You have to you have to watch it contextually. You have to understand who's the person putting it out there. If it's Al Jazeera, do you think you're going to get a balanced, fair representation? And a lot of young people. The funny thing is, young people are very savvy on the internet. So they're like, yeah, you know, that makes sense. I'm probably not going to listen to, you know, like Iran and press TV if I want to get information about Israel. Right. So it, it's really vital that we do this thing where we, we teach kids to be, to think contextually and critically. And so that when they're, when they're looking at the sources, they say, Hey, like who is the person giving us this information? Look, I don't want them to just believe me because I'm me. I mean, it's nice. makes my job easy. But I want them to go and dig in and try and find yeah. things on their own. Yeah, but that's a lot to ask. It is. For, for a generation that can basically, you know, get information in, in two-minute yeah. spurts. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and I also must give credit to the other side who are great at brainwashing. I mean, they're out there trying to, yeah. trying to confuse us about the basic roles of a man and a woman, what a man and a uh, woman is. You know? so yeah. there's, there's so much confusion out there, <laughs> and, 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 and they revel in confusion. Yeah, don't believe your lying eyes. That's right. their whole thing, right? It's like you see a guy that's obviously a guy, and they're like, no, that's a woman because he said. And then you say, well, no, he's got a beard. And then they say, well, don't believe your lying eyes. It's like, it's like, well, I'm going to believe my eyes because that's a dude. It's funny you say that because you know, I, never, I, I haven't heard that expression per se. Uh, but we have a, a Ju- in Judaism, we don't say that your eyes are lying. It says, "Do not stray after your your." Do not stray after your eyes and your heart, which you are uh, like liable to whore after. Oh, they're not. It's not lying to you. It's just going to yeah. pull you in a direction, which okay. which you got You got to stay away from. Yeah, uh, Ryan Belarus is a. How do you want to? How do you? How, what's the correct nomenclature? Métis. Okay, he's so a Métis. I'm a Métis Indigenous Rights Activist. Mm-hmm. That's pretty straightforward, and I'm just a guy. <laughs> right. I don't know. Like, a, it's funny because people always ask me that. I never know what, what to do you, say. What do you think about that uh, right. Canadian term, uh, First Nations? So, okay, Is that here's a good the term. Thing. Yeah, it's not a bad term, but so we're not actually First Nations. First Nations would be like Treaty Indians, mm. right? We're non-status Indians, which means we're not covered under treaty. So. It, look, it's it's super complicated, and that we could do a whole show on it. But the problem is that there are some native people who, if you say the word Indian, they lose their minds. Right. So all the white liberal hippies, they're all like, "Oh my God, you can't say Indian!" And I literally reply with the same thing all the time. 
if it's good enough for the elders in my community, right. who am I to say otherwise? That, when I when I visited uh, the 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 Indians in Oklahoma, that's what yeah. they called themselves. Exactly. So I'm like, okay. Yeah, we're governed under the Indian Act. Okay. If, you, so, if I mean, you're cool with that name, I'm happy to call you what you want yeah, to be called. It doesn't bother me. Yeah. I mean, it's, By the way, great museum in Oklahoma. Yeah, you it were was, saying. It was just so well <laughs> done, and, 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 and it was there to celebrate the culture. And you know what? It was also very honest. The good and the bad, yeah. the beautiful and the ugly. It was just... I was just impressed with it. I was impressed with the no political correctness. Here's what our good stuff. Here's our bad stuff. Here's yeah. where we work together. Here's when we fought one another. It was just, yeah. uh, it was, it was cool. There was also a Bible. Now they were also Christianized in part, and yep. there was there was a Bible written in one of the Indian languages yeah. uh, with the translation of the Psalms. I thought yeah. that was pretty <laughs> cool, one way or the other. Yeah, look, a, lo- a lot of natives were uh, were were heavily Christianized. Like right. that's a. That was a thing because, I mean, the whole idea was to take the Indian out of the child. They wanted to make us brown-skinned white people. They mm-hmm. thought by doing that, they were helping us because then we'd fit in and we'd be assimilated into the mainstream. Well, you know what? I have to say that in some ways Israel, in its beginnings, was also not comfortable with its brown skinness and its Middle, yeah. middle Eastness, And it rejected those things and it tried very hard to be... You know, a Western country, and our our mutual friend Yehuda Cohen is always railing against that. You know, <laughs> yeah. against against the cult of yeah. Westernism. Yeah, I um, mean, he's he's got he's got a few points. I mean, right. one of the most important things I believe for Jews is for you to see yourselves as Jews through a Jewish lens. Right, right. Because as long as like, look, all the media we have, especially in North America, everything's all very European centered, very American centered. Right. So if you were a kid growing up in that kind of culture. You have no choice but to see yourself the way they see you. Right. But now you're here in your ancestral land, and the wonderful thing is you don't have to ascribe to that nonsense anymore. Now you can... But some of it is not nonsense, and that's what I wanted to exactly say. I want to say, you know what the truth is? One of the interesting thing about the Jewish people is that we are a very unique group of human beings on the one hand, and on the other hand, strangely and interestingly, we represent the other nations yeah. in some way. And so we are in some way Russian Jews. We are oh, in some of course. way American Jews and we et cetera, Ethiopian Jews and yeah. Jews. And so and so I'm always saying to people like, yeah, be Jewish all the way and be your yeah. unique but like bring that best. Of course. Yeah. Bring that best from those the other food, cultures. The culture. Right. Look, you're you're not wrong. Like what what I'm I guess maybe I didn't say it clearly. Like look, there's a core to being Jewish. There's a core Jewish culture and, and like that core, it's throughout all of the world. But that doesn't mean that there's not really cool things about being a Russian Jew, FSU, you know, former Soviet right. Union. There's not some really cool things about being a Moroccan Jew, a Yemeni Jew. Right. Like having been hanging out with all of these different cultures, I've gotten to see some really cool stuff. Like I got to go do a mimuna, you know, like they, they make the pancakes and stuff. Sure. That was pretty cool. Yeah. You know, like I got to do all these really neat things. And and one of the beauty, like I think the beauty of Jewish culture is that you guys are so open to like outsiders coming and seeing what you do and outsiders seeing like one of my favorite things to joke about is I have two friends that every year they have the same argument about kidney ot. every year, same argument. And I was trying to explain it to my dad and it just turned into like a huge comedy because I I was trying to explain to him. Okay. So my one buddy, he says that, you know, they can't have beans and my dad's like, can't have beans. 
And I was like, yeah. And I was like, because it's a grain. And my dad's like, it's not a grain. And I was like, yeah, but it could have been mistaken for a grain. And he's like, yeah, but nobody's going to mistake beans for a grain. What kind of moron? And I was like, no, no, dad, like it's a thing. Like, so they, they have this argument and he's like, nobody has that argument. You're making shit up. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm dead serious. So then I actually had to Google kidney ought and show him. And it was so funny to watch because then he, he actually got invested in it. He's like, he's like, somebody needs to sit those guys down and explain the difference between beans and rice. <laughs> and you, just, but like, you just got to tell your dad that, that, that here in this household, yeah. there was one year that I went uh, anti-Ashkenazi <laughs> and I, and I ate, you know, the, the kidney, yeah. you know, the kidney food. Yeah. And then, and then that was the last year I did that Yeah. because in part it freed me to eat tons and tons and tons of Passover food. Yeah. But it took away from the sense of Passover because okay. Passover is like a different time. So the yeah. kid, sometimes, sometimes a limitation actually serves a different purpose than you, than you, than you, you, you may not have even guessed it, but it actually, yeah took away the the passover flavor it made it like just like every other day almost yeah. you know so that was well, an interesting thing i'll tell him that i think actually he'd be yeah. i think he'd be tickled by yeah, that yeah that was it was well he can hear the show yeah he hopefully can hear the show all the way uh, <laughs> in uh, northern alberta yeah uh, on the edge of the tundra uh, where the uh, northern lights flicker <laughs> is that right you're being really poetic is that am i right yeah you're absolutely right i, I would like to see that one day uh and uh i want to thank you so much for for coming to us and uh, you have you have so much more knowledge and stuff to give. How do people stay in touch with you and and hear also about your buff, kosher buffalo business? <laughs> how do how do people keep uh, keep connected with you? Because you you have been chucked off of uh, social media in a regular way. Yeah, pretty much <laughs> regularly. Uh, you can still I'm banned fairly regularly, but I do still try to post on on RM Bellarose on Facebook. Uh, Ryan Bellarose on Instagram. I do I don't get banned on Instagram. Very okay, often, so on Instagram. So okay, so Ryan Bellarose. Which yeah. is B-E-L-L? E-R-O-S-E. E-R-O-S-E. All right. Ryan, great having you with us. Thank you very much for uh, triggering the, 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 the native sense, the native sense amongst us, and creating, uh, and, and creating indigenous bridges uh, th- for us here in Israel. And, to, uh, you know, the Jewish people are, again, they have unique strengths, but they sometimes get confused and forget where they are in times and in history and the big mosh pit of, of the gathering of the exiles sometimes gets us confused and there's all these wars for our soul. There's a big battle for our soul, which is really a, a battle for the soul of the world. Yeah. Uh, and so it plays out here as well. Um, so sometimes we need those eyes like we, uh, like we learned uh, from um, our, 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 one of our teachers, which was Moses's father-in-law, Jethro. Sometimes eyes from, from, from a, from a different perspective, from even a different people's, helps us see the direction forward. And, and Ryan, before we, we let you go, uh, you, uh, we, we, we just learned about Isaac, uh, yeah. which means uh, he will laugh. Yeah. And you have a similar name in, <laughs> in uh, your language, in Cree. Yeah, so in Cree, my name is Papiao Mayekisika. It means storm that laughs. Storm that laughs. Yeah. How do you, and how do you relate to that? <laughs> uh, you know, I have a little bit of a temper, maybe. Uh, and sometimes when I get really angry, I like, I laugh. So my, you know, some of the elders in my community, when they give names, it's how they do it. Very good. All right. Ryan Bellaros, thank you so much for being with us. All right, folks, you are listening to the Ishai Fleischer Show. More great stuff is in the way. Lots of love and lots of blessings from the land of blessings. Oh, oh gosh, one more last thing. Ryan, I knew it. I knew it. I had one more last thing that I wanted to ask you. This is sure. it. 
hashtag land back. <laughs> so I was with an, uh, with, a, with an American Indian recently who is the yeah. great-grandson of Sitting Bull. Yeah, that's He's awesome. got a tattoo of Sitting Bull on his... On his wrist, on his like, on, on really on the on his knuckles, on his like, yeah, between his wrist yeah. and his knuckles, it's a cool tattoo as well. Uh, but like, so he was telling me about this, this, this hashtag, land back, yeah, which is asking for uh, American Indian land back, yeah. You had some comments on that. Well, it's it's here's the thing. It started out as something that I really believed in. That you know what they were talking about doing was increasing the size of reserves, trying to make it you know better lives for native people. But somehow it got co-opted by the left and it turned into this anti-colonialist get rid of an America and give all the Indians their land back, mm-hmm. which we know is probably not going to happen. There's too right. many people and it's just it's foolish. So what it ends up doing is it delegitimizes our struggle because it's making these ridiculous claims and requests that mm-hmm. we know we're never going to get. Mm-hmm. So like my dad says this all the time. He says, never make a threat that you can't carry out. Right. So never make a request that you know you're not going to get. Right. These are common sense things, but unfortunately, you know, these aren't our people that are making these hashtags and and pushing them out there. Once in a while, it'll be one native person who's like the token Indian that they put in the front and then that's it. It's it's like many things that the Marxists do. They grab onto the feminist issue or or the black rights issue and they turn it actually into a Marxist, uh, you know, uh, uh, like a tool. Yeah, right. Like like a, a, a class warfare thing. Yeah. Uh, but for us, land back is still, I think, a yes, an option. We are moving forward in the reclaiming of our land, our rightful land, and it's because God Almighty has uh, has decided that 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 it would be that way, and He's given us the strength to to fight back. And this is a great time. And just like the chief said, it's time to go back to the good land. Ryan yeah. Belarus, thanks again for being with me. Hey, thanks for having me. I just want to say one thing, Yisha. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, I, I got to say it. Since I've been here, I've been seeing so much building here. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing to see. Yeah. Like seeing in Judea and Samaria, like I went to the Goosh. I've seen buildings going up. It's awesome to see. And if I could say one thing, just keep building. Because that's this is your land. And nobody should be telling you what you can do on your own ancestral land. There you go. All right, folks. More great stuff is in the way. So stay strong and stay connected. And shalom. Ishai needs coffee. Help support the show by buying Ishai coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Ishai. Thank you, and L'chaim. All right, folks, you are listening to the Shai Fleischer Show, and I am doing one of the best things there are, there is, there are to do in this whole world, and that is to be walking through Gan Saker in Jerusalem, Yerushalayim, Irakodesh. I love this city. I just love being here. It is the greatest feeling in the world. And I just finished uh, two hours at the Knesset, and then... A few hours at the Nefesh Benefesh slash Nachem Siegel Network, Hachnasat uh, Sefer Torah, the uh, putting in of a new scroll of Torah to the Nefesh Benefesh building with Nachem Siegel. I got to see some great friends like Rabbi Judah Michelle and Avi Abelo and Rabbi and Rabbi uh, uh, Yoshua Fass, and just got to hang out with the good folks and uh, and and Uri Plachowski. Rabbi Uri Plachowski, and just got to hang out, and, and I'm walking back towards my car, walking through the park in Yerushalayim, and there are joggers, and there are working out people, and there's a misty fog, and there are people playing frisbee old school, and there's a lot of lights, and there's a lot of... I love nighttime in Yerushalayim. I like nighttime, I like Yerushalayim, I like nighttime in Yerushalayim. So altogether, what an amazing feeling it is to be alive in our time, in this reborn and awesome city, just and you can I can you know 
I can hear all the haters of Israel just screaming out there their heads off about all kinds of you know lies occupation and apartheid and in the meantime here I am walking in this park and it is just perfectly beautiful and fine and and growing and, and alive and there's building and just Israel is going on the trajectory up and the haters are going down that's all there is um, that being said I do want to have a little uh, Torah thought a little table Torah for you uh, here at the end of the show it's a small thought, but an important one, and I've mentioned it maybe before, but it's important to mention it, I think, uh, every year. This Torah portion, Vayishlach, uh, is about the homecoming of Yaakov Avinu. He's coming back to the land of Israel, and um, he faces his brother Esau, Esav, and he uh, then goes to Shechem, and uh, on the way down from Shechem, he's going to... Uh, sadly bury his beloved wife Rachel uh, in Bethlehem in Ephrat um, on the outskirts of Ephrat in Bethlehem and uh, then finally get to his uh, to his father oh and in Beit El he's going to get the full name of Israel he's going to first struggle with the angel and the angel is going to say uncle and he's going to say yeah your, your real name your full name your new name your super name is going to be Israel that's your super name Yaakov, that's your Clark Kent name, but but Israel, that's your full name. That's your that's your that's your super name, your power name, uh, and that's why when the Jewish people like take off their uh, their Clark Kent outfit underneath, you know, on the front of it, we're on the on the Clark Kent side, we're called Jewish people, Jews, but on the uh, Superman side, when we take off that Clark Kent side, we are called Israel. Okay, but there's one more thing that I that I skipped on purpose, and I want to uh, circle back to it, and it goes like this. Uh, you know, there's the famous story about how a Shimon Levi, the two tribe members, basically destroy a town th- through trickery um, because they violated their sister. And um, and Jacob, uh, at the end, he, uh, he 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 rebukes them and he says, you know, how could you, you know, make my name odious amongst the nations, amongst the the tribes, peoples around here? And they say, you know, can, is our sister going to become a harlot? And they seem to have the final word. But then later, Jacob has the final word in the, in the last Torah portion of, of the book of, of Genesis. And he, kind of, and he kind of curses their anger and their, you know, their behavior. And this leaves a lot of people puzzled, especially like strong right-wing style Jews who want to see us fight back our enemies. They never understand Jacob's response. Like, what is he so upset about? Like, they got rid of this town that, that raped their sister, and that's all wrong. And how do you, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you condone that? How do you even allow, let that slide? Like, they behave properly, and yet Jacob is not there. And I got friends who will say that Jacob is showing his Jacob side, not his Israel side, his more uh, exilic ghetto side, uh, and not his, uh, not his strong side. But, uh, Many years ago, I was in Beit El, and we were discussing this with a guy named Natan Katlarov. And Natan suggested something that I never forgot, and I, and I offer it to you today. He says, Natan said to me, he said, you know what Jacob's problem with the brothers who killed the whole town of Shechem was? It wasn't that they got rid of those guys. It wasn't that they fought the town of Shechem. Maybe that was justified. The real problem was how they did it. And it wasn't that they were tricky. That's also okay. That's all's fair in war, right? The problem was, is that they used the name of God to bring people in. They said, have a circumcision. Be more like us. 
Be holy like us. Come closer to God. Come closer to the Jewish people and to the light of Israel. And then when, when the townsmen were weak from the circumcision, that's when they struck. And says, says uh, Nathan Kutlerov to me, Jacob's problem was you can't use the good name of God. You can't use the good name of God in order to bring people down. If you promise them to go up to the name of God, to Jerusalem, to Israel, you can't use that as, as a uh, fall, as a way to trap them and trap them and, and bring them down. That's not, uh, that's not right. God's name is holy. Uh, his light is holy. And holy means that when we use it, we use it for everybody, for holiness. And when we talk about, on this show, the International Torah Congregation, we're really talking about uh, a light for us, all of us, to come closer to God, and there can't be no trickery in that. Uh, you can trick in other ways. You can fight in other ways. But don't use the good name of God because, in many ways, what the Jewish people are, are God's PR agents in this world. We are there to proclaim His name. Say that with me. Proclaim His name. That's what we're about. That's, that's what we're all about. And so you cannot proclaim His name and use it to, uh, to uh, make uh, unholy, to... Uh, uh, defame, and what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, to desecrate God's name, God forbid. And so that's, that's what happened. That was a desecration of God's name because it was used as an entrapment uh, in war and not for the light of God. Uh, all that is, uh, is part of this week's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, it was an awesome show this week. I'm proud of it. I enjoyed the part with Malka. I enjoyed the part with Ryan. And I enjoy the fact that you are with us. I know it's a long show. I want to wish you lots of blessings from the land of blessings. Please write me an email, yishayishayfleischer.com. Check out our sponsors. If they're Retro Watch Guy, uh, if it's prohibitionpickle.co.il, if it's hebronfund.org, uh, if it's jewishpress.com, um, if it's buymeacoffee.com forward slash yishay or yishayfleischer.com uh, forward slash donate. Uh, there's a lot of things to check out. But most important, oh, and of course... Uh, the Israel Bible, theisraelbible.com. Uh, there's a lot of important friends that are out there. The most important friend that we have is God in heaven who is uh, fulfilling his dream in our time. Write me an email about that and about how it's touching your life, yishayishayfleischer.com. Lots of love, lots of blessings from the land of blessings. Thank you to Ben Bresky, Yochavid, Moshe Herman, Tabitha, and Lou. And thank you to you, wherever you are. Lots of love. Shalom from Gan Soccer Park, the soccer park. Uh, here in Jerusalem with a beautiful night, beautiful, cool night, little mist coming up, but uh, the lifeblood, the pulsating energy of a reborn Jewish people in the land and a God of Israel above, the land of Israel below, uh, and all of us receiving that light is something else. God bless you guys, and shalom.